This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Monday, November the 14th. And our top story today is that a deal has been signed between Britain and France in a bid to deal with the number of asylum seekers crossing the Channel to Kent in small boats. More officers will be tasked with patrolling beaches in northern France while there's going to be an increase in surveillance around ports with more CCTV and sniffer dogs. The Prime Minister says the agreement will help to get a grip of illegal migration. Home Secretary Suella Braverman signed the deal in Paris earlier. I'm very encouraged by the uh, agreement that we've just signed today. I'm, I, I pay tribute to all of the teams in France and the United Kingdom who've been working to secure this agreement. I think there are some significant gains for both the French and the UK authorities. Firstly, we, for the first time, will have embedded observers as part of the operational team. That means there will be British officers uh, uh, you know, uh, working hand in hand with the French patrols and uh, working on the ground with them and in the control rooms um, and really working in a joint fashion to prevent the disembarkations in the first place. We'll also see a 40% uplift in the number of French gendarmes who are patrolling on the French beaches. We've already seen this year about 22,000 successful interceptions by the French on French beaches of uh, attempts to illegally cross the Channel. We want to increase that number uh, and by working together we will make progress in tackling this problem. We can also hear today from former Director General of the UK Border Force, Tony Smith. Well, I think it's a good deal, actually, at the moment. I mean, it's not a panacea, but it seems to me that the impetus is to increase collaboration with the French. And I worked in the Border Force for a great many years, and I can say to people that we always had a very good working relationship with the French at operational level. Indeed, although the numbers are high, in 2002, when I was there, we had 100,000 crossing from France, and that was only remedied by a series of agreements and operational practices between us and the French, which, you know, went forward into better security, joint search teams, better security at the ports. One of the reasons, actually, why the smugglers have taken to the boat. So the only solution for me was going to be some kind of an agreement with the French. This does seem to be a step in the right direction, and let's hope it works. Now, more than 40,000 people have crossed the Channel to Kent so far this year. That's significantly more than in 2021, and a sim pressure put on immigration processing sites in Kent. In recent weeks on the podcast, we've told you about conditions at the facility in Manston being described as inhumane. Over the weekend, it was reported vaccines for diphtheria are now being offered to anyone who arrives here via a small boat because of a rise in cases. Now, while many agree something needs to be done about people risking their lives to cross the channel, some say today's arrangement won't make any difference. Shadow Immigration Minister Stephen Kinnock says the package does get to the heart of the issue? Well, it's too little too late. Uh, The Conservatives have had years to get a grip of this issue. Um, It's welcome, of course, that they're now speaking with France in a more constructive way, but they're talking about the patrols going up from 200 to 300, and yet 
the number of interceptions needs to go up from 42% to 75% to actually make a difference and break the business model of the people smugglers. So the jury's out on whether that's going to work. And it doesn't get to the heart of the issue, which is a massive backlog in our asylum processing system with over 10,000 asylum seekers waiting more than three years. And that is actually acting as a pull factor for the people smugglers and people trying to come over on small boats because they know if they get here, they'll be years before their claim even gets processed. I've also been getting reaction today from Kay Marsh. She's from refugee charity Samfire, which is based in Dover. More money being spent um, on measures that aren't going to make a whole lot of difference. Uh, it's much of the same, really. It's it's the government trying to make it look like they're doing something. We're hearing that there are going to be more patrols on, on beaches and we're going to hatch, actually have British people over in France. Why do you not think that that will make any difference to people risking their lives to come here? Well, unless they're planning to uh, patrol the entire coastline 24-7, then people will just find another way to go, won't they? They'll, they'll move further down the coastline. Uh, the new measures don't hit the people traffickers at source. It's not, um, I know it says in their plan that they are planning to uh, go after the people traffickers, but nothing in this new plan really sets out to do that. What sort of things do you hear from people who have come over to Britain? What sort of things are they doing to get here? What extreme measures are, the, are they going to? Well, of course, crossing the channel, um, it's one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world. So that in itself is, is a very extreme measure. Um, but it's it's important to remember that that's just the last part of these people's journeys. They've they've oftentimes crossed countries such as Libya, um, had to go through people trafficking and all sorts of things. So, yeah, it's the last part in their journey, but still very dangerous. Obviously, we've seen a huge number of people make that dangerous journey this year. Do you think there is anything that can be done to to stop the people trafficking and to to prevent these really, really dangerous crossings? Obviously, tragically, we saw the loss of a, a large number of lives not that long ago. We don't know maybe how many other people have lost their lives. What What is the solution as far as you're concerned? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, we keep losing people as well. It was only about a year ago that um, a whole boatload went down. Um, and it's just a matter of time before that happens again. We need safe legal routes. You know, if we're talking with the French side, we need to be talking about a processing centre in northern France where people can make their claim for asylum without ever needing to get in the water. Currently, you have to be on British soil before you can even make a claim for asylum, which is what pushes people to make these dangerous crossings. We've had successive Home Secretaries who've tried to tackle this issue. What have you made of Suella Braverman? She's not been in the job that long, but she made it her mission at the very start to say this was a key area that she wanted to tackle. I mean, what do you make of what she's done so far? The problem is the successive Home Secretaries that we've had have all gone on this, this hostile environment, this um, deterrence policies um, and it, it's not working it hasn't worked for 12 years the situation just keeps getting worse the numbers keep rising um, we need to look at it for what it is it's a humanitarian crisis and we need to start treating people as human beings um, and yeah treat it for what it is also today it's been revealed hundreds of asylum seekers have waited more than five years for the home office to assess their claim the refugee council charity are calling for decisions to be sped up as thousands of men women and children are living in limbo often in hotels paid for by the government it's feared the backlog will cause more problems at processing centers like the one we mentioned earlier at manston kent online news other top stories for you today and a man's been charged with two counts of attempted murder 
after two men were hit by a car in Maidstone Town Centre. They were both taken to hospital and one's in a serious condition after the collision on Station Road in the early hours of Saturday. 29-year-old Anthony Deprose, who hasn't got a permanent address, is due in court later. Two other men were also arrested and have been let out on bail. A woman's been released without charge. A woman's died after being hit by a lorry on the A2 near Dartford Heath. It happened on the London-bound carriageway in the early hours of Saturday. The vehicle she'd been in was found on the coastbound stretch of the road. Police are hoping anyone who was in the area at the time might have dash cam footage to help with their investigation. A Maidstone man who left dogs without access to fresh water and allowed puppies to wander around in their own waste has been banned from keeping animals for life. Senior Daniel King was charged after RSPCA officers searched his property in Ditton. The 43-year-old from Nursery Road was also given a suspended prison sentence and must do 300 hours of unpaid work. Almost two years after a woman was found dead in a flat near Folkestone, the investigation by police has been closed. The identity of the woman who was in her 40s and discovered above a takeaway in Liminch has never been revealed. A 36-year-old man was arrested but has now been released without charge and the death is no longer being treated as suspicious. Next today, and warm banks are being opened across the county as some of us struggle with the cost of living. The rising prices of energy and food have left some in Kent saying they're in a desperate situation. Vicky Nunn is from Sunrise Cafe in Dover. It's now opened its doors to those who need it most. And Vicky has been speaking to our colleagues from KMTV. Our hours have just altered, so we're going to stay open an extra two hours a day. Uh, we've been um, some laptops so people can come in, just keep warm, drink tea, coffee, have cakes, lunch, breakfast, and use the facilities, use the laptops, and whatever's around. It's unfortunately a need at the moment, and we are seeing people that you wouldn't expect coming in. Obviously, we deal with homeless people, but we also deal with working class and, and everyday retired people, and it is a crying shame. And, and you do think that the government needs to be doing more rather than relying on charities and churches, village halls opening their doors. I think when you actually sit down and talk to people, and um, people that I know, their bills before the you know the electric bills and thing went up were high enough without them going up. And you know I know of retired people where their electric bills were three hundred pound a month before this happened, and they're living on a pension. How you know how are they going to carry on when it goes up and we get colder and? You know, the bills go up again. Other warm banks are also known to be planning to open in Kent this winter, but Thanet MP Craig McKinley says help being provided by the government should be enough. I mean, if you look at the, the whole array of support mechanisms that have been put in place for households this year, we've, we've got the price cap, uh, the energy price guarantee that's going to survive until the end of, of March. Uh, again, obviously, it's a higher level than people have been used to the year before. Uh, but uh, if you're a, a, an A to D Householder, you'll be you'll be getting four hundred pounds. You've got uh, some money coming every month, sixty-seven pounds a month off of your energy bill. Uh, if you're on various forms of benefits, you've got a payment today. I believe the second tranche of three hundred twenty-four pounds has arrived today. Uh, if you're elderly, you're going to have a, another three hundred pounds. There are lots of dribbles of, of cash. I, I, you know, rather wish it had been uh, an all-in-one rather than uh, uh, these dribbles that have come through. But I th- I honestly believe for the for the average household, 
I, I don't think they're actually going to be significantly worse off on the energy bill over the months ahead. Uh, but yes, the the warm banks. Well, you know, it's a it's, it's a perfectly reasonable idea, and uh, and anything that gets the community together, have a chat, you know, get get rid of some isolation. I think it's got to be a good thing. Uh, but I think in terms of of real hard cash, I don't think people are, are with all the support mechanisms that have been put in place are actually really any worse off than they were this time last year. Obviously, you've got the, the the cost of food has gone up. And uh, the cost of road fuel uh, and other things, yes, the, the real inflation rate hitting those on lower pay is actually probably more significant than the 10.1% the that's advertised. Craig was also speaking to KMTV there. You can watch their video report by heading to their section of the Kent Online website. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Kent County Council have written to the government warning they could go bankrupt within the next couple of years unless they get more financial support. Their budget is apparently a breaking point and it's feared cutting vital services will affect the most vulnerable in society. They're urging the Prime Minister and Chancellor to come up with a clear plan for long-term financial sustainability after 12 years of national austerity. A petition set up by the parents of a baby who died after choking at a nurse in Ashford is going to be debated in Parliament today. Lewis and Zoe Steeper are calling on the government not to relax laws on the staff-to-child ratio as they think it'll be dangerous. More than 100,000 people signed their petition online. Elsewhere, a Whitstable mum says an NHS policy to not screen babies for spinal muscular atrophy is putting lives at risk. Amy Aldridge had to push for her son Harry to be screened by the time he was diagnosed. It was too late to prevent long-term disability. The family now say the delay in testing has affected Harry's mobility, breathing and ability to swallow and in other children it could prove fatal. Workers started to demolish a former gasworks site in Dover. The facility on Coombe Valley Road hasn't been used for more than 80 years. It's unclear what the land will be used for but there are plans for new homes on a nearby plot. Now firefighters have spent the weekend dealing with a huge blaze at a farm near Rochester Hay bales caught a light on Rye Street in Cooling on Friday evening and crews were at the scene right through until last night. Keith Loveridge owns the land and has been speaking to the podcast. We've basically lost most of our forage and for our cattle and the straw through the winter. Um, and we obviously that's going to be a, a big cost to us through someone with a box of matches that thought it was funny. I think we don't think find it that funny, to be honest with you. And, and this isn't the first time this has happened, is it? No, we've had um, we've had five fires like this over the last fifteen years, and it's uh, it is not a joke, not for us anyway, financially. And obviously, you 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 farm. Just tell us a little bit about what you do farm. Um, we farm uh, beef cow, beef cattle, and sheep, and. The, the, what that the most of that fire there is majority of that would be our winter feed that's gone up in smoke and when did you first find out about it uh, it was we, we got a phone call last night just before eight o'clock that it was a light and obviously within 10 minutes quarter of an hour it was gone 
Kent Online reports. People living in part of Canterbury are worried a concrete-making firm relocating will destroy their peace and tranquility. Brett has been based on Ashford Road in Charlton for 40 years, but wants to open a new plant in an area of outstanding natural beauty on the outskirts of the city. Some think it'll be good for house building in the area, but others are worried about an increase in traffic. Now, this is one of our most read stories today. The owners of a pub in Stouting have come under fire because of one of their signs. The Tiger Inn's new illuminated sign faces onto neighbouring properties, with some complaining the brightness shines into their living rooms and bedrooms. Residents describe it as grossly inappropriate and say it's interrupting their sleep. Well, Will Sheldon is Managing Director of Contemporary Pubs, which owns the inn, and says his team are willing to alter the light if needed. Lucy's been reading his statement. From our position, we've used a standard lighting system that's used elsewhere throughout the county without concern to KCC highways. We're waiting for technological information to come back from a Kent County Council electrician and if we are at fault we will introduce a diffuser to the lighting system to bring the brightness down. The light is on a timer so it comes on when it is dark and goes off way before our licensing hours end. The application for the sign was submitted retrospectively as the team were not aware that planning consent was needed for the sign to be relocated. He says he told residents they were more than welcome to talk to him about their concerns, but no one did, so they went ahead with the plans. You can go and see a picture of the sign by heading to that story at Kent Online. A robot brought in to help with cleaning at a Kent hospital has been criticised for its vacuuming skills, while some staff say it's an unwelcome distraction, with people taking selfies with it. The joke-telling tech was designed to free up workers at Darren Valley near Dartford. The people in charge of running it say they haven't been made aware of any issues and its use is constantly kept under review. And Pink has gone straight to number one on the Kent Top 40 over on our sister radio station KMFM with new song Never Gonna Not Dance Again. She's not Lewis Capaldi's Forget Me down to second after he spent a total of seven weeks in the top spot. Antihero by Taylor Swift is at number three. Kent Online Sports. Football and after beating Premier League side Brentford in the Carabao Cup, Gillingham crashed back down to earth at the weekend. They were beaten 2-0 by Northampton Town at Priestfield on Saturday. It means the Jills are still just one point above the League 2 drop zone, although they do have a game in hand. Here's manager Neil Harris. They've got better players than us. Simmons, ain't it? I'm not going to sit here and say the same thing I've been saying every week for the last couple of months. Um, that we're just... We get punished for shooting ourselves in the foot and we're not clinical enough at the other end. You know, we haven't scored enough goals, so they're not going to score two goals. You can see the players you know, dropping in, in confidence as well. Um, when you've got better players, you, you make the difference in those fine margins. We give the ball away for the first goal and they put it in the top corner. Look, that's as simple as explanation as you can give football. Um, did we do enough? Did, did the lads try? Yeah. No lack of effort. Um, Nine times we got into their final third in the first half and didn't make a chance. It's just not good enough. It's, that's where we are, it's what we got. Um, keep working with it. But when we get into that final third, we've got to be clever enough to play 1v1, 2v2, 3v2, make good runs, be better with the ball, put better quality into the box. Um, and, and ultimately, Northampton got into probably four good areas, scored two goals. We got into 12 to 15, 
Next today, Ken Gymnast Gianni Regini Moran is hoping to inspire more youngsters to get involved in the sport after his huge success at the World Championships. He became the first British man to win the floor final earlier this month and also got bronze in the men's all-round competition. The 24-year-old says it's been a busy year with three major tournaments. Obviously, to win a gold medal is incredible. Like that, That's the best feeling. But also to make history being the first male British gymnast to become world champion is, is even better. So as, it's almost like I've got two victories with, with one medal. So. You might ask a stupid question, but why is it only now that uh, a man has won this gold medal? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, the competition's been, always been so high. You know, gymnastics, you've got countries like Japan and China that are always kind of raising the bar and setting that bar. And we're, we're always striving to be as good as those guys. And I think, you know, finally now we're starting to click, we're starting to come together as a team and we're finally seeing the results that we want. Um, and you've, uh, what's, what's the training that goes into winning this gold medal? How much, how much of training have you had to do? It's not just, it's not just weeks and months, it's, it's years. It's, uh, it's my whole life uh, and, you know, you can't just train a period of time, you can't just train months for this one moment and it's, it's been my whole journey, you know, going through the losses, the failures, because they're all part of this win, they're all part of this success, because without those you don't learn, you don't, you know, adapt. And for me, yeah, we have, we have a solid eight, ten week build up for the competition, but this year's been so busy alone, we've had three major championships, so I think having three major championships has helped because, you know, you're constantly, okay, come off games, you're out in front of a home crowd and you get that buzz, you get that feel. Europeans, again, it's another major one. And then it's almost like you're settling in, you're settling in. So, but come, come to the World Championships, we was almost kind of a little bit more relaxed. And I heard you were injured as well earlier this year. So it was probably, you almost probably weren't taking part in these World Championships at some point. Yeah, well, I wasn't sure. You know, 12, 12 months ago, literally 12 months ago, I couldn't even swing on the parallel bars. Um, you know, I was on crutches in a cast with my, you know, with a cast on my foot. So. If you would have said to me back then, 12 months ago, you're going to be a, a world champion in a year, I would have probably laughed and said, ha, I wish. Um, but yeah, I think that just goes to show how hard I work, how hard you know, the team around me supports me, um, you know, physios, doctors, the, the amount of time I've had to go away, rehab, um, you know, and do my SNC, speak to nutritionists, speak to psychologists, you know, all these people that are involved to help me kind of get here. Um, you know, they all play a massive, massive role in my career, and I, I, without them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be having these two medals around my neck. Exactly, you've got these two medals here, and I'm sure there's a lot of young people watching this program now thinking, how can I get into gymnastics? What tips would you give some of our viewers? Just start. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be high level. It doesn't have to be elite gymnastics. You don't need to be in a squad. It's about starting. Even if you go for a fun session or you turn up to someone's birthday party, that's a gymnastics club. You know. Just go have some fun. And for me, I think even at the top levels, you know, when we're competing, some of the time we just put so much pressure on competing and results, we forget about to enjoy it and we don't have fun. So for me, that's why I'm, you know, this year I've, I've really, you know, thought about, you know, said to myself, have fun, go out there, enjoy this moment, embrace being in a home, you know, in an arena with a home crowd and just see all these people around me, watching me, cheering for me, you know, embrace that, have fun and enjoy the moment. Um, and Kent is such a fantastic place to learn. As you say, you're from Pegasus. 
is brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we've got some very good clubs um, in the area and to be part of that is, is incredible. And my, my role and my job is to not obviously perform at a top level, but to potentially help and inspire the younger ones. I even help out and do a bit of coaching um, in the week. And, you know, that's with younger gymnasts that are in a little squad or something like that. And if I can just pass down a little bit of my knowledge or if I can just help inspire these younger gymnasts, then maybe we'll have a great future. And in cricket, Sam Billings says he's going to focus on playing for Kent next season after choosing not to take part in the Indian Premier League. The 31-year-old has missed some of his club games in the past, but now wants to have a bigger role in the county championship games. He's also part of England's squad for their one-day international series against Australia, which starts on Thursday. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Plus, you can sign up to the briefing to get a daily update of the top stories each morning direct to your email. To do that, just head to kentonline.co.uk. And whilst you're on the website today, you can see that we've been taking a walk down memory lane and remembering the lost pubs and clubs in Maidstone. Plenty of pictures to have a look at. We'll be back with the podcast tomorrow. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.